0: You know, we look at like how simple it is to make a phone call. I mean, you just dial a number and you take your phone anywhere in the world. Uh, and that's kind of a, an amazingly convenient yet secure and private experience. We're trying to extend that same ease and security and privacy to
1: all digital transactions. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Zach Miller. We don't spend a lot of airtime on the podcast talking about what happens behind payments in e-commerce transactions, particularly where it comes to ID verification, It's technical and and more than anything, an enabling technology. But from time to time, we invite on companies that are doing something novel in a way that changes the way the game is played. Today's guest is Payphone's Roger Desai. The company's raised over $100 million and has corporate investors like Amex, Verizon, TransUnion, MassMutual, and Synchrony on the cap table. That's because Payphone makes e-commerce, where merchants connect with buyers, as trusted as making a phone call. In a way, Payphone is creating a new form of credit score, what CEO Roger Desai calls the trust score, which is intended to cover almost every adult in the U.S. Payphone's Roger Desai is my guest today on the Tearsheet podcast. Before we hop into our show, I'd like to thank our sponsor, MX, for supporting Tearsheet's work. MX is the leading data platform for banks, credit unions, and fintechs, enabling its clients and partners to easily collect, enhance, analyze, present, and act on financial data. Hi Zach. So I'm Roger Desai.
0: I'm one of the founders and CEO of Payphone, and at Payphone, we really help digital um, organizations try to achieve their aims. Uh, whether it's uh, in banking, financial services, insurance, healthcare, you know, digital is the future. We really try to help people maximize the opportunity in digital.
1: And how do you do that? Like, so can you give us a little bit of, um, I guess, uh, introduction to Payphone?
0: Yeah. So I, you know, to us, we look at One of the most uh, important things you have to do is uh, confirm someone's identity in order to do business with them. And if we look at the experience of consumers these days, uh, even our own experiences, it's just riddled with interrogation and intervention. So it's just hard to do anything without having to prove we are who we claim to be. Um, That really leads to lots of bad outcomes, whether it's kind of abandoning the transaction or uh, making it so frustrating that um, you don't go through the entire uh, effort. And that adds operating expense to uh, businesses, and, and that goes back and adds cost to products and services. You know, We look at like, how simple it is to make a phone call. I mean, you just dial a number, and you take your phone anywhere in the world. Uh, and that's kind of a, an amazingly convenient, yet secure, and private experience. We're trying to extend that same ease and security and
1: privacy to all digital transactions. Interesting. And, and um, just before we hop into like going a little deeper into the weeds, what was your background? And, and I guess, what was the genesis story for Payphone?
0: Yeah, that's it was, uh, I always find that a fascinating thing to ask
1: about. Uh, so many of us have- a, So much about people and companies that way. Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, especially kind of how they, their unique lens of looking at the world. Um, so many of us have a pretty deep telecom background. And when we look at the world from the lens of uh, where we came from, which is how phones authenticate themselves. Uh, it is an, kind of an amazing experience. It's kind of everything the web aspires to be, which is uh, secure, convenient, private. You know, I don't share my name, address, social security number when I'm traveling abroad on my phone. Um, my you know, I can make calls without having to fill out forms and I know that behind the scenes, you know, everything I do is gonna be billed accurately. You know, we don't expect to find, you know, calls on our phone bill that we didn't make. So that kind of same thing that makes it so you can take your phone anywhere uh, physically and it just works in this really convenient, secure, private way, you know, Payphone's attention is to bring that to the web. So we thought, well, instead of taking your phone to France or Germany or India and kind of using it uh, when you're away, why can't you take it to um, a bank or a merchant online? So instead of somewhere physical, somewhere digital and use that same kind of inherent uh, properties and make it so amazing to use and
1: create such a great experience, you know, how to bring that to digital. 91% of mobile banking users prefer using their app over going to a physical branch. But it's no longer enough just an offer an app. Customers expect, demand, a really good experience. That's where MX comes in. Its new mobile app, Helios, helps banks and credit unions stand out in today's world of mobile banking, going beyond simple transactions and account management. Does your mobile app get thousands of five-star reviews? Does it increase your engagement and lead to higher brand loyalty and ROI? Check out Helios by MX at MX, that's the letters M and X, dot com. So is it fair to say that in a way your phone becomes sort of your, your identity online? Yeah, I think we were. You know, that was kind of our
0: thesis when we started. Um, and now it's somewhat obvious. I mean, your phone number is now the master key to almost every digital experience. And you need your phone number to interact, whether you're calling, texting. Uh, or a web session, you know, your phone number is kind of key to all those experiences. If you think about it, if you ever your password for a given digital service, you know, you're often using your phone number to help reset it. So I think it's become almost uh, an assumption now that the phone number is key and almost the master key to everything digital.
1: Well, so so you compared sort of, at least in the Genesis story, to to our use of phones, you know, to where the web is. And I guess with the differences with, with phones and, and making phone calls, there's a certain, Trust, I guess, that that the system engenders. Um, I trust that when someone calls me the line, they're they're not able to steal my information or that somehow it's probably most likely a person who knows me. Um, We lack all that online, right? Is that that part of the issue that you're addressing?
0: Yeah, you know, one of the uh, kind of most amazing findings for us is that even in 2019, it's still much easier to do business in person than it is online. You know that's reflected in almost every kind of transaction. So whether you're applying for a credit application, a loan, uh, completing an e-commerce purchase, it's just easier to do business in person than online. And that really comes down to this: you know, it's hard to easily verify people's identity uh, without sacrificing something along the way. And so, you know, our, we kind of call that the trust gap—the difference between uh, the approval rate for something in person versus the approval rates for something online. And our mission to pay for it is really to close that trust gap. And we come up with a very specific product to do so. We call the trust score. And to us, that's a measure of identity confidence, of how likely confident we are that the person is who they claim
1: to be, so that businesses can have more confidence to approve more transactions. And I guess, what are the inputs into that trust score? That's a really interesting way to quantify it.
0: You know, if you look at uh, trust, there's some great research. Um, well, there's, there's been great research for years and almost uh, – every year more um even recent McKinsey uh, analysis that the basis of trust is uh interactions over time so like if i you know if i meet someone for lunch you know uh every month the last 10 years that's a pretty you know good basis of trust um and one of the core problems the internet has is that there's no um, kind of way to store or share that kind of information with consumer consent so for example, I could be one bank's most profitable customer, but then I open an account at another bank and I start over because there's no way for like the first bank to kind of uh, share my reputation or for me to bring it with me uh, when I open new accounts. So the internet is still filled with kind of one-off relationships and you're essentially starting over with each one. Your phone doesn't really work that way. If you think about, you know, I, if I take my phone to another country, you know, if I'm registered uh, to Vodafone UK when I go to London for a trip, you know, I have no relationship with them, and it's a merchant, in effect, um, but I don't start over. If I had, had to start over, I could only make a few calls a day until they trusted me. So our notion is that um, if you look at some basic signals like, well, how long has someone had their phone number? Uh, not just how long they've had it at the current provider, but how long, how, how long have they had it from the beginning, and what kind of activity and behavior um, have that, how do they have that phone number, both of those components can be the base of the trust. So kind of behavior over time to us gives you a great uh, signal whether this is uh, a burner phone or someone's actual phone. I mean, that's one of many uh, signals that we use to make that assessment. But our trust score is a kind of a real-time assessment of, of how likely this is you by proxy with that phone number.
1: And I guess the, the product of, of, of getting a more accurate trust score is that you can improve more uh, real transactions right at the end of the day, which is... Which is a total boon for the for the merchant, right?
0: Yeah, and you know, one issuer we saw was only approving about fifteen percent of their credit applications online, and uh, and the same issuer in a physical setting was approving about sixty percent of the applications. And from an economic standpoint, it was pretty much the same cohort in terms of income and bico range, and it really just came down to. Uh, one of the leading factors of that trust gap between 60% kind of in person and 15% online was just they weren't convinced that they could trust that person was who they claimed to be. Uh, often, if you look at the profile of fraudsters, they're going to be using burner numbers, burner phones, or using a variety of attacks to kind of uh, spoof a phone number or spoof an identity. You know, these things uh, are things that Payphone can see in real time and assess and calculate as part of our trust score. You know, someone's trust score could be very high in one transaction, but then we see something that looks like an account take over the phone number via uh, something uh, like a SIM swap, and then the trust score is much lower so that our customers know, well, the first transaction they should let through without any interrogation and make that a beautiful experience, complete the transaction, and the second one they should inspect further. So it gives them kind of the insight to know where to spend their operating capital uh, to assess and vet things further versus let things through, you know, in our view, if you look at card present acceptance rates, which in the U S are 98% now, you know, that's something we could get digital to. We can make digital almost the same where 98% of interactions, whether they're new account openings or uh, calls to call centers or downloads of applications, um, all of those uh, could achieve the same kind of acceptance rate or pass rate of 98%.
1: And how reliant are you on, um, mobile phone networks, essentially, to, to work together with them. Like, I, I, can, you, can you explain sort of the way the ecosystem is set up?
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a big question, because I think there's an assumption that um, the truth, or mostly signals, is within a handful of phone companies. Um, the reality is, is that there's about 3,000 phone companies in North America, and they all sit upon kind of core telecom infrastructure. And if we think about, well, how would 3,000 phone companies work together? in terms of people moving from one company to another or changing their phone number, uh, all the things that we can do, you know, upgrading your phone, uh, it's because the core takes care of most of that heavy lifting. And um, one of the main kind of things that Payphone does is access the core directly. So we see many of the events, in fact we see about eight million events per day uh, in which things change that we have to triage through to manage identity. Like simply put, if, if today this is Zach's phone number, then how do we make sure that that's the case going forward? Whether he may change his phone number, give up his phone number, or someone could take it over. Um, all those are uh, assessments and signals that we value in real time. You know, last year in the US alone, 50 million people gave up their phone number, which is pretty striking. I've had my number for 20 years, uh, but the rise of prepaid, you know, prepaid is now 25% of the US. There's just a lot of noise within uh, the notion of managing a phone number. We take a lot of the com- complexity out for our customers.
1: Interesting. I, I know you've done some some research recently and came out with a paper recently that that showed how your diversified signals yielded higher rates. Can you talk about um, what what you what you tested and sort of what the results were?
0: Well, you know, there's been more and more uh, questions that we get from uh, our clients. Uh, these are traditional banks, healthcare, insurance companies. You know, I think one thing that I think everyone can agree with is you don't want to have a single source of dependency or failure. And so the question we get asked uh, increasingly is, well, how do I have redundancy uh, in a system in which I'm relying on phone numbers and relying on verifying the ownership of those numbers and managing that going forward? Well, how do I make sure there's no single point of failure? So the request we had uh, in this particular report was, well, what would it look like if you were to have to verify the ownership and operator of a phone number uh, without having to use direct mobile operator signals? So meaning just accessing the core telecom network that all the phone companies use and other uh, signals that we get from additional sources. And I think the results are quite uh, striking, which is um, we're actually able to identify many more numbers than with the operators alone. Now, if you think about it, the in the US uh, specifically, the phone companies are good at managing kind of postpaid master accounts. Um, so if I'm at a postpaid, a contract with a given operator, you know, and I'm the uh, the head of the family plan, Then they had to vet me in order to kind of give me that contract. Uh, but that leaves about 50% of mobile phones, whether they're family plan lines or prepaid, in which the kind of the major tier one phone companies don't really have a good view on who's owning and operating that phone number. Um, and then again, of course, you know, even though mobile is uh, the fastest growing channel, you still have Oyster IP, Landline in order to get kind of a comprehensive view, so covering all types of mobile phones uh, beyond postpaid, as well as voice over IP, as well as landline, you know, we had to, uh, we did an assessment of what would our rate of identity verification look like, independent of
1: mobile operator signals, and it was uh, quite high. Interesting, and um, you talked about some of your customers being, being banks, like what are some of the use cases, um, you know, where, where they'll, they'll work with Payphone? So I think uh, banking specifically,
0: there's some uh, several major macro uh, trends and drivers. One is, of course, um, as EMV is rolled out into the U.S., you know, fraud has moved to channels where you don't need the EMV chip. So call centers, um, you know, today banks get attacked in at a call center um, at an alarming rate compared to in the past. Um, so they have to have very simple, powerful identity proofing for every call that comes in. You know, today. Uh, it's fairly easy for almost anyone to spoof a phone number. So a a fraudster can call into a bank spoofing a victim's phone number, and uh, and that is gonna create more work for the bank to figure out, well, is this really my customer or someone spoofing the number? So the call center is a new attack area. A second major uh, driver for banks is just the movement of the branch to the phone and just uh, digital banking in general. And that's everything from opening an account instantly on a phone, to uh, the ability to kind of all your services on a phone. That only not only drives convenience for consumers, but lowers operating costs for banks. In general, what, what uh, I think we can all see happening is that you'll have less kind of bank tellers and more bank advisors, and the services in person will become more, more complex and more strategic, uh, where basic functions will happen on the phone. Well, if you move basic functions to the phone, you really have to have a lot of confidence that these are your customers in order to do uh, you know, everything from a bill payment to a bank wire. And um, one of the big problems of doing this is there's just so much noise in mobile. You know, last year, 90 million Americans moved phone companies. So you know, from one phone company to another, uh, these are all called account ports. Uh, also 120 million Americans got new phones. So people going from like the iPhone 8 to the
1: iPhone 10. And, do, and does it go out mobile wallets also make that more complicated or easier?
0: No, I, I yeah, absolutely. I think uh, the fact that you extend things like payments to third parties uh, mm-hmm. just increases the risk and the the attraction for the fraudsters to attack uh, digital channels.
1: And in a way, you're almost positioning yourself as it seems to me as as um, like as a credit bureau, but of, of obviously different type of data. Um, I know you you, you scored a, a partnership recently um, with TransUnion. Can you talk about what what that tie up look like, looks like? Yeah, I think we
0: all know the, the role, the important role that credit bureaus um, have in the world, especially in the U.S., in terms of uh, making it easy for people to get credit. There's still a lot of work to be done from an inclusion standpoint. Um, what we saw was that there's another kind of piece needed beyond a credit score, which is uh, we like to believe is our trust score. So, you know, if today, if uh, 10 people apply for something and uh, several of them, don't get access to credit because they're using confidence that they are where they said they are, You know, our trust score we see is complementing a credit score so that more transactions go through. So while we don't opine on credit worthiness, uh, we think identity and credit are kind of two sides of the same coin. So our partnership with TransUnion really helps us both extend our services. So we complement their services in mobile and in terms of mobile identity, and they complement our services in terms of Uh, plugging into all the kind of use cases that banks already use them for. It also extends globally. TransUnion is in 30 countries. We like to expand our services to everywhere our customers want us to. So it also helps us from a global standpoint.
1: That's interesting because that was actually a prelude to my next question. As as populations sort of expand across borders, um, is there more of a demand for your type of service to be able to identify somebody across the border or is that not a use case yet?
0: No, I absolutely, I think that it's you know we'll see lots of different use cases of uh, you know uh, U.S. companies you know trying to interact with folks abroad, whether it's an Amazon or a Mastercard. But over time, as we have just seen with uh, Facebook Libra announcement, you know we're going to move to a world where peer to peer everything is going to happen. So you'll have two people in different countries that want to transact um, for whatever means that is, and uh, you have to essentially kind of know your customer on each endpoint. So today we think that this is the beginning of a very long journey where we have a truly global digital economy and any two folks can interact with each other. I think what Uber and those kinds of companies showed us in the U.S. is the days where it's the distinction between who are customers and who are merchants is blurring. Mm. Uh, In the future, we're all gonna be customers, we'll all be merchants, and you'll
1: need identity to make transactions more seamless. Interesting. So, I mean, it's obviously been a, a busy year for you guys. I mean, you're growing like a weed. You raise money, partnership. Um, I guess what what do you have in the hopper that you can share with us? Like looking, you know, to the second half of 2019, what what are your big priorities?
0: Well, today, uh, Payphone. I think we like to pride ourselves on a few things that we we're really unique, and we have the uh, strongest, broadest coverage to verify kind of who owns and operates the phone number. Um, our trust score is. Um, the industry leading standard around measuring identity confidence in real time. So, you know, kind of catching SIM swaps, device swaps, and other types of, of takeovers. I think the thing next for us uh, that's really needed is to really move into inclusion. And what that means is, you know, today, a prepaid is 25% of the US. You know, often we meet uh, traditional banks that still remember a time when prepaid was 3 to 5% of the US. And uh, many of them have general treatment rules that say, well, if this new account opening is made with a prepaid phone number, well, we're not going to allow it to be opened or they need to go to the branch or we're going to put them through more uh, inspection and more interrogation. Um, now that it's 25% of the U.S., you know, what we like to do is help bring trust to prepaid and and uh, from an inclusion standpoint, uh, a lot of prepaid actually looks a lot like postpaid, meaning the tenure, the behavior, the funding uh, mechanism, all give you a lot more trust. So that's going to be uh, good for everyone it'll make so uh traditional banks can bring on more customers more easily which is a good business for them and it will extend into populations that typically are not um almost treated like second-class citizens in the digital economy so
1: inclusion is a major theme you'll see uh, coming from us in the balance of 2019. Interesting. And Roger, we have time for one last question. I'm curious personally for you as a CEO, um, what have been some of the biggest challenges um, and growth opportunities you've had in, in, in this role over the past 10 years?
0: You know, I, I think that um, identity and authentication, all these things are pretty cerebral topics. And I think. Uh,
1: yeah. You're just, like right in the middle of all the themes right now, right now. Exactly.
0: Yeah. And I think it's hard for everyone. I mean, I mean, it's something that, you know, we learn things on a weekly basis, even though, you know, We've been doing this for a long time, so I think the biggest challenge is uh, for banks to get clarity through all the all the information that's out there, and um, yeah, I think that's probably the biggest challenge everyone has in this space. and And I think one of the things that we're trying to do is bring uh, a new KPI that can make it easier to evaluate what kind of works and what doesn't work. It's something we call pass rate. Uh, we'll be publishing more about that this year. But you know, in the end, if you go back to that uh, first notion that if ninety eight percent of digital transactions are good. Um, you know, what the current state is that most uh, businesses only assume 40% are good and they challenge interrogate about 60% of their interactions. Uh, so pass rate is kind of like, how do we get to 98%? How do we bring a bank that maybe a 40% acceptance rate uh, for a given set of transactions to 80%, 85% and one day 98%. So I think that applying uh, KPIs to measure uh, success is critical to kind of uh, get
1: through all the noise. Yeah, well, well, it'll be exciting to watch as we're able to increase the pass rate over time. Roger, thanks for joining us on the Tearsheet Podcast today. Thank you so much.